everyone, I'm here today with my beautiful friend Seth Stevens coming to us from, what What did you call it? It's a small tourist town in Utah. Yes. Is it windy there? Can you hear me? There we go. We had a blip. Okay. There was a blip. Yeah. What's a blip? <laughs> a blip is a pausing bubble of, of unknown interruption. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like this quality of just audio, actually. Oh, good. That's good. So, um, let's see. We were just talking a little bit about everyone's favorite spiritual topic, the ego. The ego. But, so we don't have to talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's see. Is there anything that's coming into your mind? Um, many things. Topics to speak on. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you, do you think it's, interesting to to do anything outside of attempting to escape the ego yeah we've come to this point a few times <laughs> lately um well what i was telling you well, hang on, I'm going back into my past mind instead of staying in my present mind. Do I feel like there's anything? I guess I don't really think of it. Like, I feel like there's, we have no choice but to sort of go back into the ego. Like, we can't stay out of it, even though whatever we're experiencing there isn't, like, how can I say it? I feel like, like you were saying, to be alive is to have your experience as your ego, and so there's nothing inherently bad about having your ego experience, but like you were saying, the whole idea of getting stuck in something behind, beyond its point of usefulness right. do you relate that to the ego in particular is that like what you yeah because like i think i feel like ego route can become really narrow but like it's weird because we're talking about like all experience is ego um but okay this is something i've probably said to you and i know i've said to many people there's some gentleman on an internet video that referenced this idea of the little sister and the great mother and the idea that like creation um the spontaneity that creates every brand new current moment is the um the great mother and it's mm -hmm. it's like that it's the big chaotic spontaneous ever-existing essence 
that is fueling each and every experience. And it's really beautiful and it's awesome. Like it has this quality of sustainability. Like it's chaotic, but it's like the only thing I want to say it has like this stability. It's like fabric. Like this is something I is I have experienced, and it feels really nutritious and wonderful. Not because of its like goodness and like the way of it being like candy, mm-hmm. but it's a it's really nutritious in this like big stable hug. Though you don't really understand what it is, it's got this neat quality of like you can't really comprehend it but it feels like really stable. You're really and like, solid. And I remember you like a couple years ago, you said like a structure or something. Yeah. It almost has like a, a structural quality to it. Like not, I guess foundation, you know, foundation is always vertical, but this is like in all areas, but it does feel like something that everything is built upon. Um, yeah. And it's stability. thus is like really, really comforting. Um, and I feel like that the activities that like come out of that or more associated with that are just like, they're really great. They kind of find myself doing things in my day that I'm surprised by and like getting to the things that I'm like curiously wish I would have just got up in the morning and done right off the bat instead of like these other activities that I do that are more routine oriented. And I think that's a little bit like where the little sister comes in. So it's this idea that the great mother is like the only, okay. So the great mother has like this big universal chaotic essence that's pushing everything. But inside of us, there's the little sister, which has a little, has a small amount of that ability to create. And that's a little bit of a way of describing the potential difference of going deep down the ego tunnel or maybe kind of backing out of the ego a bit because the ego would be the little sister. Like you could experience life through the ego in some kind of directness. Like as you've been patterned via the ego, you can just kind of like witness that feel it go through you. But the ego can also kind of like ramp itself up and kind of create second like continually layered um, experiences that are based off of like previous experience. And like, that's the act of the little sister, like doing these small creative aspects, creating imagery, creating potential storylines of like what might happen. And there's like a a natural benefit to that because you could create potential scenarios in your head of like, what if I yelled at Sally or what if I asked Sally directly about these topics, you can kind of gauge your own animalistic safety via mm-hmm. the little sister's ability to create scenarios. But outside of that, that can kind of like spin out of control and you can kind of just keep trying to live through little sister's creative energy and it's really not sustainable. It's very draining. It's missing that that juicy essence of the of the great mother's um, creative, you know, energy that's coming through. So that could be that's like a great like poem to talk about 
going away from ego's creative energy and going more towards the universe's um, the pulse that's you know creatively showing up each moment. Um, the ego could be there to to be experiencing the the great mother's creation of the moment, and that's probably like pretty good. So the trouble is that you kind of get distracted into the ego's creative energy, the little sister's creative energy, and it's like just weak, you know, battery. It just doesn't sustain. It doesn't have the nutrition level. You really get kind of burnt out and creating a lot, many layers of duality to kind of ramp yourself up between feeling good and bad um, while the other great mother's energy is sustainable, but you are still probably um, viewing it through, you know, via the ego. Do you think any animals other than humans have egos? I think absolutely. Like, I, like this is, I, I love speaking in absolutes because it's the funniest thing. Because <laughs> um, I have no idea. But <laughs> passion and excitement on the topic make me want to have an opinion. Um, but I feel that they do. I feel like that's the mechanism of experience at least in other animals, um, I don't feel that they're in this, this totally wide open non-identity place and like the universe is just pouring through them. I feel like there is a little bit of identity going on because I'll watch, you know, here at the house we have cats and chickens and dogs come through and I, I recognize things, I recognize them doing little things that I do. Um, yeah. You know, gauging gauging a moment and like measuring something and like playing a game or trying to draw some kind of like the cats here. They're like they're kind of young, and they just they just can't settle. They just want to like prod and like derive all this energy out of the moment before just settling into the nap that they would like to have. And to me, that's like so much what I do. Like, oh my god, I gotta like yeah, make a coffee and like clean my room and do this and do that before I'll do the thing that I actually want to do. And it just seems like definitely some ego activity in me is like very similar to ego activity. I recognize in like animals and their, and their little thing. And then also if they're having experience, like why would the mechanism be any different in them? Like if they're having experience, which they seem to be having, they must have a similar mechanism um, to experience with. Yeah. I feel like lots of our things that we criticize about the ego wrapping us up in or distracting us with have to do with what we have to work with around us, like that we're, that we live in, like because we don't have access to maybe a stronger sense of, and I hate, sort of hate to use the word, but like purpose or just like clarity and what would be useful for us to do. It's so much easier to spend all your time doing a bunch of things that are distractions that I don't inherit. I don't think like the ego inherently like wants to distract us all over the place. But like if you find yourself in some like artificial box, like a house with a bunch of things that don't even quite make sense to you and you're just like, okay, I'm working with what I got. Like if you put a chicken inside your house or something and it's like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> I don't know, or just some other animal in a setting that's not, it's not a setting that it sort of knows how to work with. 
Right. I feel yeah, like, it's, yeah. No, I think that's I think that's huge. Like um I feel like that's a bit of the stage that my life has been in this past year, like returning to the work environment. Um and really getting like caught up in this bizarre story of thinking that I need to like be rise above bad environments and mm -hmm. thinking that that was like proof of some kind of spiritual ability is that I could like be entrenched in like crap yes. and have it not have it not be crap yes. which is like you know coming out of that I feel like it's a very ridiculous story in a game itself and I think like the lesson that I'm learning is that like the, the environment like does matter and like some of the processes that see I'm kind of like getting this direction of wanting to split off like psychological patterns as different than the ego and not to jump off topic, but I think that's like a little bit back to the root of what your question was. And it's also like what I talked about earlier, a place that I'm at is recognizing our psychological patterns and having those understood before diving all that far into what my ego experiences. Um, and I feel like I kind of have all these psychological patterns in me, like what people would call their training. And they kind of like lay dormant. Like when I was bike traveling and living in the woods, it was really cozy because I'd just get up and have coffee and go for a bike ride and come back and eat lunch and mm -hmm. go for a hike. And it was just like what you were just talking about. Like it was a really nice environment. And basically, you know, I was probably still an ego having experiences but as in an environment that wasn't triggering my psychological patterning because I'm mm -hmm. by myself, you know, I'm just having a good time. And now like more recently, I feel like my life's in a really good place, but recently I've like been put myself back into like the work environment and I just watch, watch my psychological patterning get turned on constantly. And it's just crap. It's like things that I've like, you know, learned from the people around me who have been, untrained in difficult situations as well so i get like really stressed and like into um fixation thought patterns and all of these things um yeah so the environment kind of inspires my psychological patterning which allows me to see the psychological pattern and kind of understand it um and yeah hopefully like create more space with it and understand what it is um, versus the ego and all my other experiences and maybe institute some kind of choice with all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Could, do you have anything to say about what you think like stops us from feeling like we have a choice in terms of our environment? Um, yeah, I think isn't, isn't that like a part of like duality that like everything is like based on another thing. Like you feel like you have to go do this because you don't want to do that. Yeah. And really like, that's like a non choice situation. Choice would mean like there'd be like some third option or, or there would be like, yeah, choice would have you into like the one or the three and out of the two, like 
duality is like a cornered mechanism where you have to do one thing because you fear the other thing Mm -hmm. while choice would be you are just experiencing the one thing that happens to be there or you may actually choose to go towards something that you do want without Um, moving away from something else yeah without running from something but just purely going through yeah going towards a preference yeah um yeah. So that's interesting. It's like I've never really questioned the word ego because, like, right there, I would define that as ego, is that it creates this this ground of duality. Um. But then there's like a way of getting out of it and just like experiencing something singularly, not in reflection of something else. Yeah. But that man. kind of like would still be an experience, and thus would still be under the guys of ego yeah i was just going to say that on the word on ego that i feel like i've had lots of interesting experiences where i didn't feel um connected to my ego but still felt like just this is probably like completely old news but the whole idea that your, the self that you feel is yourself, like that you can sense this is me, actually doesn't have anything to do with your ego. We just sort of, we create this whole story of an ego based on having a life. But I had this time where I was so aware of like the ego not being real in a sense, and it's hard to say not real because... It's real for our lives, but in that in that state where I really felt sort of like being that source energy, I felt like what that meant was that I was it was being completely in the moment, and you're doing nothing as like a preservation tactic. Like there's really nothing like to fear. Like you're just sort of like the space of of source and there's you don't have to try to do like the whole thing about the ego is you're trying to and I'm not trying to say this in a negative way but you're trying to preserve your life like build a life build a story build relationships all that stuff when you're when you're actually source like you have no concern for any of that and you have pretty much unlimited Unlimited power is a weird way to say it because it's like we usually think of that oh so I can get domination from my ego self but it's literally like there are no rules on you like all the rules come from the stories of the various egos of our pasts and relation like teachings and all that stuff but like there really are no laws on you or things that you can't do when you are outside of the perspective of you doing them or doing them for some purpose that has to do with you. And like, so I think ego is actually like really, really nothing bad about ego at all. Like I, but our whole problem is I feel like trauma that makes ego experience um, twisted and like, I don't know, stopped but up in all sorts of ways. Everything you just said about, like, the the strength of source experience, it, I mean, 
it sounds like to me like if if someone was able to have like one microgram of that it would pull them out of everything else and there would never be like an ego interaction yeah well i feel like you can't have there's you can't have a gram of it like you either it seems like an either or it seems like if you experience just the tiniest moment there there would be mm-hmm. no other moment to go back to it's like the idea of like describing yeah, the in a way oops but you're like oh but there's this like reed of grass that does a stupid little game that makes a storyline and then there's this ocean and like if that if those two actually interacted there'd just be no reed of grass there'd only be ocean so i feel like that experience of of grandness is maybe the reed of grass as well. It's definite. Well, I would say that it's an experience of like normally when you're in your ego, I feel like a big part of it. And once again, not a bad part, but you experience yourself from inside to outside and other things from inside to outside. And you're in this interaction and the sense when you're really like when you are source it's like sense it's there's still everything that's all, all separate in the way it normally is but your since you are source like you are the energy of everything they really you are really the only thing that exists and to the ego that's like death like <laughs> if you when you feel like you're the only thing that exists as, as an ego perspective that's like the worst, that's like life being completely pointless and feelingless and everything. But when you're in the source perspective, it's like you, you just are like the energy that is, that, that, that create, that can create everything that everything is. There's not really anything else that can affect what happens other than you. And are you there? Yeah, and I was going to say that my one of the thoughts that I had when I was in that state that's sort of interesting but not super workable is the idea that, yeah, is that idea that at the base idea of what really is reality, none of the things that have to do with our stories are real. Like, they're not real at all, but we're... But that's our life. I don't know how to say it. That's why I, it's a good throwback to my name. I feel like um, right. I love that. I, I feel like for me, like when I slip out of my individual storyline, I kind of go to a bored, static place that mm-hmm. has... Are you still there? Yes, I'm there. Here. Yeah, that has... Has a, has a subtle level of experience going on. Like, I don't have these sharp pulls of my storyline. It's just kind of like a staticky, textured place. It feels like kind of nothingness, but like I'm still, you know, experiencing sight and feels. And then something will come out of me, or come, yeah, something will come up out of me in a spontaneous way. It doesn't feel radical. Like in a, I guess, radical is the wrong word. It doesn't feel 
shocking if I just find myself almost a second behind and realize like, oh, I'm getting water now, or oh, I'm picking mm-hmm. up my room. Um, and I don't really feel like I've experienced any kind of like wild source. I am all energy. I am all powerful. Like I've, I definitely have like been to places and like seen things, but they're still like through experience. And I feel like if anything's happening there, I'm just kind of like experiencing through a different area of like energy or different, different sensation. Mm -hmm. Um, but very far from like the ability to like manipulate anything. Um, so for me, I feel like those moments I'm actually just slipping out of my psychology, slipping out of mm-hmm. my storyline, but I'm still residing within an individual's perspective. Thus, you know, via ego or via just experience. Mm-hmm. What do you, like, remember, I think it was last year when we were talking on the phone when I had, I had, like, a really, I don't know if it had to do with something that I've been thinking about before, but I just had this really distinct feeling, like, that there's some essence of you, like, that's a very real, real thing, like, I am taught, like, there is a particular thing out there that like is you in your specificness like behind whatever personality we're speaking through right now like that like I've read a zillion things of course that's all talk about like we're all one consciousness speaking out of a bunch of bodies but what I was feeling was something much more like there's a particular thing that is Seth like not the name but that I'm talking to right now like that just exists in all time and space, like, and yeah. it, it gets, it gets really weird because we navigate from potentially like such a limited perspective. Um, like if the ego is, um, navigating our experiences, and we're used to only experiencing things through like sight and thought and sound. Mm-hmm. And then, but then all of a sudden something happens and we get a glimpse of experiencing something through our third eye or energetically or through in a different dimension. Mm-hmm. We'll be like, Oh my God, this shit was crazy. This was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then all it could be is you still being in your ego recognizing a different sense that's available to us and none of it would necessarily have anything to do with spiritual work because you're just navigating a new experience via ego um yeah so like in this thing that you're talking about like recognizing an individual having a certain like vibration that's like true to them individually you know it may be if you're experiencing it with yourself or if you're experiencing it with another person you may just be like sensing another like sensing another sense of that person like right now you can hear my voice 
I can say witty things and you'll recognize like my personality pattern. But say you got sensitive with your with your energetic body and you could pick up on some other aspect of me, some energetic field that's like not a normal sense. It could feel very like magical and, and special to feel that other thing, but it's still just sensing and being organized via the ego and, and put into the storyline be the ego and, and still in the realm of sensing. Yeah, I I guess the the thing that, that's intriguing about what I was feeling or what I feel right now is that it doesn't like I'm it's like the voice behind the voice like or the energy body like it really it's not about like how you how you speak or at all but it's like this sense of what's speaking as a very like particular real real like existing thing i don't know how to put it up there but like the idea that in like the in the black space of the world like having there is this thing that seth once again having to use the name that i'm communicating with that idea that like I guess I guess it's just sort of like a fascination in individuality or singularity. Right. Um, like I think that's why like I used to when I was growing up I thought the idea of a soul was like so stupid. Just like <laughs> I was such a like you know just atheist kind of teenager right. and so the world word soul just annoyed me. And I feel like the the usefulness of the word soul is that same idea that there's some like um, particular thing that you talk to in an individual. Right. Well, like, so today I was on my phone watching some videos and one of the videos that came up was Little Wayne skateboarding. And it was great because like Little Wayne's like a very interesting character and like in our social cultural dynamic it's very intriguing that he skateboards because it's like rap world and skate world kind of mixing and the way i'm looking at it i'm like wow like little wayne's like decent at skateboarding and i'm like really re i'm really into bmx biking uh -huh. but i'm not very good at it and i started making this like picture like wow it'd be like really sweet like a, an attainable goal for myself would to be able to ride a bmx bike as well as Little Wayne can skateboard. And there's just like so many ingredients in this thing that's like really juicy and really neat to me um, for like almost an undescribable level of, of metrics. Um, and I'm having fun with this thought. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make like a Facebook post and be like, I think an attainable goal is that I, I, I to become as good of a BMXer as Little Wayne is a skateboarder. So this is just, you know, a permutation of the universe that I'm getting into and I'm playing with and it's super awesome and it's, it's a play and I don't necessarily feel like you know what you're you're explaining here of, of tasting individual souls as being any different it seems like a, a an awesome lovely play um, of intrigue within experience um, I feel like it has like nothing to do with truth 
that has to do with like a, a playful, yeah, intrigue. Yeah, um, I, I feel like this is part part of what like a couple of places that we often diverge are on things like that. Like this, it's this reminds me of that idea of like the concept of you can never win. That you know that you said. Like, right. there's nothing to yeah. ever win, whereas I always, like, resist that. Like, <laughs> and you see, like, obvious, like, that's that's obvious ego. Like, that's not swaying me from from how I look at things at all. But could you tell more about what your little Wayne play, like, why that, what, what was exciting about that? It's, it's like the idea that you could take two chaotically oblong, misshapen rocks and balance them on top of each other it's 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 mm -hmm. purely being intrigued by materials and essences and being like whoa this could be like done something with so i see you know like little mm -hmm. wayne as this like neat creature who's taken on a neat activity and i recognize that like their activity levels like close to what mine could be and it all kind of like i'm like creating weird math equation via social metrics where if i did a little bit more on my side i can get little wayne skateboarding on one side of the equal sign and i can get myself to the other side of the equal sign if i could like you know get get my bmx game up a little bit it's just it's a really neat balancing act of getting two mm -hmm. abstract things to balance on top of one another it's it's exciting play it's it's twinkling dew on a leaf that's shimmering it's like ooh, look at these neat um experiences you know though uh -huh. so this one you know a conceptual one enjoyable playful concept mm -hmm. what kind of things did you like to do as a as a kid like if now you like biking um i really enjoyed playing basketball a ton mm -hmm. um like before high school like i definitely would play a lot of basketball I'm in high school too but like i feel like pre-high school is when you really have like kid experiences and like yeah like playing gi joe's and kind of like running around and throwing darts and stuff um wanted to get into skateboarding but couldn't really. I had a little bike. I always rode it around all the time. I always rode my bike, but wasn't very good at tricks. I would just like to build jumps in the in the alley that were like three inches tall and ride over that until my until the board break broke and I don't know. Where did you grow up again? In Denver, Colorado, oh, yeah. mostly. Down the street. Have you ever thought of living somewhere other than Moab? I guess more recently? Yeah, I'm definitely open to it. We travel the whole bunch, and every time we travel, we look at everywhere we go with openness and intrigue and we see a lot of nice things. Um, Moab's just nice because it has a bit of industry that you can work here. And then 
the land is just astoundingly beautiful and like very accessible. Um, yeah, so it'd be really strange to like live somewhere else. It'd be yeah, some, something you know, some something that itself of greater value than what happened already. So I'm gonna jump in with the topic with the phrase that I that I thought of at the beginning, the idea of like what it means to observe yourself without judgment and if that's useful. Like yeah. um I feel like you've spent a lot of time working with that in your psychology. Yeah, something something like instantly links brings out with that. And Could you talk a little louder or something? It's You sound a little quiet. How about this? That's excellent. Please. Good. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, yeah. The, yeah, something rings out instantly, and that's the, to observe yourself without judgment. Like, it's the concept of not lay, layering up on what you're observing um, and not doing anything with what you're observing. Like, judgment sometimes we view as like a specific thing like but when it comes to observance i think doing anything with what you observe would be considered judgment and there is a major benefit of observing in just an open state because i don't think it's some of it is like kind of so you could like learn from what you're experiencing but i also think that like to give space to what you're you're doing, what you're what's happening inside of you, is like a real. It's an act of grace. Um, you're you're giving allowance to yourself. You're giving acceptance to yourself, and those in themselves don't require a layering. Just simply being there, aware of the things that are happening, and not doing anything with them is like to me, like the greatest level of acceptance and acceptance is a powerful way to navigate our psychology and to get to some more sustainable experiences. Um, yeah, so I think it's very valuable to, to have awareness without judgment. What is it valuable for? It's valuable for that you're, you're giving space to all those entities that are screaming about and all those screaming so they can have space. And space is like the most nutritious thing to give to them. You could try to give them wisdom or direction or correction. But really, if they're just given space, then, then they're giving uh -huh. um, they're an acceptance. Once all aspects are accepted, then, you know, the, the juice can pour through. Mm -hmm. more more directly and what do you, i my mind was hopping over to the idea of ambition being ambitious krishnamurti who do you know krishnamurti i bet i've sent something i don't think so i know the name but yeah. not familiar Maybe not, but one of the, I can just hear his voice. He says, like, finish with ambition. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> like, I just, um, I don't know, ambition is rampant in, in how we talk about our lives. 
and um, I'm d maybe I'll see if I can think think of like what's something in particular he says. But yeah, like here's a quote. It says, "Love is the most practical thing in the world. To love, to be kind, to not be greedy, not to be ambitious, not to be influenced by people, but to think for yourself. These are all very practical things, and they will bring about a practical, happy society." <laughs> Um, like practicality. How do you do? You think about practicality? Yeah, I think it's a different word, but like I, the essence in it resounds with what I think about and use the word sustainable. Uh -huh. um, because like, if I have you know, each day has so many hours in it, and if I can have like a nice feeling, I want it to be sustainable, and that to me would be like the ultimate practicality. Um, when I twist myself up, which kind of could be seen as ambition, when I, and I think there's like a linearness in that, like, oh, I'm going to like do this project, like I'm going to get this done and like get that juice of success. It just doesn't work for me. I've like put myself mm -hmm. out there so many times to like try that. It just doesn't work. Like it, it works for about three hours max. Um, but if I let go and like drop into this whole other space, there's this really awesome um, sustainability that shows up. It's, yeah, like I think I get a little closer to the spontaneity of things that are showing up. I can kind of float in and out of all kinds of different sensations. It feels very unlinear. Um, yeah, and thus it feels very sustainable. I can kind of reside in that area um, decently well. I don't think I've been well trained to be into that area. But I do really enjoy getting into that area, and I find it to be like the most practical. What do you think of, like, yeah, the most practical? Like Krishnamurti said, the ambitious man has never found his true vocation. Um, like what you really, what you really should be doing here and now, in the practical, fulfilled sense, maybe. But what do you think of the idea that? Like, the concept of not wanting to be ambitious is, like, just, like, that sense, like you said, that it's never worked. Like, you don't believe that what you might want to be ambitious about could happen. Like, is the, does this sound like a, I, it's sounding like a brain trick to me as well, obviously. Like, the whole idea that you could somehow get fulfilled by this thing that you think you want now. But, right. but like, it also feels true. It seems like we also do have senses of that we should be able to trust about um, what we would want <laughs> and be. I, I'm not sure if ambitious is the right word, but I don't know. Right. Well, I think that's like these... I talked about earlier about reverting back to the same topic always. And this is another example of like this question is best answered by knowing what you are. Um, and I don't think a lot of us know what we are. And thus, you know, you to ambition is like twisting your, yourself up and what you are towards mm -hmm. a certain thing. But if you don't know what you are, then like, how do you even possibly twist that up? Um, yeah, Krishnamurti says, I remember, he says, the self is a problem that thought cannot resolve. Yeah, totally. Um, 
Yeah, it's very interesting. The the image that came to mind when you were talking about Krishna Murti is that I love the idea of a bull. I think a bull is like it's been used as an example of what we actually are. We are we are a, a vessel. We're a bull, and things. <laughs> and you can um or you can glass. cup your hands. A glass. You can. What's that? Or, I said a, or a glass. I just I I remember when I was living in truth or consequences and sleeping outside. Um, I. I, it was at that time when I had this really cool sort of experience of like being an empty glass. I named my email after this. I have an email that's called the glass is empty. And it was from, yeah, that feeling of being a vessel where I'm, yeah, that you're just sort of the space and that everything that makes up like the symbol, the everything of the world is just just coming completely through you. Like you don't have any... You don't have to do anything to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, like this is, I I think experientially I agree with what you just said. I think numerous sources agree with what you just said. Um, In Taoism, they talk about the bowl and being a vessel. Um, And what was coming to mind is that you can like cup your hands together to create a bowl Mm -hmm. and you can just like, everything i used to like there's a long long period of time like this is well before the current state of myself um i would talk about if you hand something to somebody you've thus taken away their ability to have nothing in their hand uh-huh. and uh-huh. i thought that was really important because when you have nothing in your hand in your hand you have everything mm-hmm. and this is like this is like old thinking i think it's like really great great quaint poetry in that but nowadays i believe like that's actually very very true like your best self is an empty glass is the bowl and you're just like the experiences are passing through you and like that's like the super badassness that's going on um and when it comes to ambition if you picture your hands cupped like a bowl then you're 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 in your ideal form but ambition would have you like crack you know, grasp something or make a fist or move that bowl yeah, around. Build like a mountain on top of your hand. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're you're just like yeah. fucking up the vessel. Now you're yeah, now you're exactly. utilizing all of the universe for like one thing. Yeah, so it's just a lesser experience, most likely. Yeah, it's it's this, it's a super weird crammed experience. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there, and I just wanted to, you, I haven't, remember all those PDFs that you sent me? Sure, yes. Well, who were those by again? Um, I'm assuming one was, um, the eight volumes of, um, Chogyam Trumpa. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. All, all of the material, and then, um. Jeez, it's the Japanese Zen book, which I'm not thinking. The Shobo Ginzu, Shobo Ginzo, um, which is a 1200s book of a gentleman who went from Japan to China, learned everything he could about Zen Buddhism, and wrote it down in a massive book to bring back to Japan. Um, and then the third was probably um, Shuangzu, which mm-hmm. is the second 
context of Taoism. For the educational part of this conversation, do you think you could tell a little bit more about the, those three people, or at least how their teachings yeah. are interesting to you? Definitely, and there's, and there's still, like, those are the three main things, or almost only things that I'm reading um, for the last multiple years. Mm -hmm. um, Chogyam Trumpa is super neat, massively high-up trained Tibetan Buddhist. Um, I feel like Tibetan Buddhism and Zen Buddhism and Taoism are all very similar. That being said, I don't really know much about a lot of other... Um, I don't know, religions and philosophical systems. Mm -hmm. They all seem to be like speaking about the same thing. Um, I turned to Chogyam Trumpa. Actually, I'm just like reading through that eight volumes of text, and I'm only in volume two. I just finished reading Glimpses of Shunyata, which talks about emptiness. Um, but I go to Chogyam Trumpa because like, he seems to be explaining the minutia of what's going on inside of our experiences. Like I, I believe Tibetan Buddhist training takes you through your psychology, takes you through all of the layers specifically of how the energy comes through you and gets folded up into ego experience. Um, and they, yeah, he's breaking it down very clear, clearly. The books are mostly him orating just speaking and at the end there's questions and the questions are just revolutionary because it's like students asking these questions and he just really speaks on them and it's like very very wonderful and i can take his readings and kind of associate them with my experience and have like a little bit of guidance of some of the things i experience um and then when it comes to the shobo ginzu it just it hammers away at one thing and that one thing being that all of this experience is the universe that everything is accepted um yeah. and it just does it over and over and like this amazing i guess oriental or asian storylines you know where the teacher is walking down the path and runs into so-and-so and this story formulates and it really grasped my mind like oh i really want to figure it out what's he saying what's it really mean and as i go into it 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 enlightens me into like yes everything is it's all here you're already there you're already doing it this already is the experience was the ox cart a, thing from there what's that the ox cart yes yeah, so the 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 car pulled by the by the white ox is like a side note, like it's like a asterisk type storyline that I read in there, which just really blew my mind. Um, explaining that all this song and dance that we're doing is already, you know, in the hand of God and is the hand of God, and you can't escape it because it's all already there. Um, Could you give an example of escaping it, like, like or you just. Uh, the idea is that you can like there's an idea of like oh to pass through the gate you know like we're 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 on one side of the gate yeah and we want to be spiritual and we want to pass through to get to the other side of the gate to the spiritual side and it it it, it just keeps re reiterating that there is no gate there is no two sides to the gate it's a gateless 
experience that we're having and all of it is you know within the cart being pulled by the white ox like um anything that we're having is already happening here in totality um anything that we hate anything that we're bothered by or like oh i just like i just yelled at that old lady or like oh i shouldn't yell at old ladies that's like <laughs> a gift of the dharma like it's a moment of awareness that we can look into i'm like wait why am i yelling at old ladies what's going on here like oh look at i'm just having more experience um everything we dislike will pull us into greater greater experience of all the things that are happening already was it an old Um, lady that you yelled at at the grocery store was it someone else i i don't remember did i yell at somebody yeah i'm but anyway, continue. You yelled at someone, but it was a good experience. Yeah, so the, the book is huge. I think it's like five or 700 pages. And it's just amazingly, like, where, where Chogyam Tropa is explaining to you the processes that's happening inside of you. The Shobo Kinzu is just reiterating from every angle that you are in the universal experience. Like, it is happening. Um there's nowhere to be going. Um, and it just does it. It's just, it's just really, really well written. It's just super badass. You pick it up. I'm absolutely mentally intrigued. I read one or two paragraphs and I get turned on to, oh, I am, I am in food and nature already. That's all there is. Um, and it's super wonderful. Um, the, the Shuangzu is much, much older Taoist text that has a lot of funny stories um, that a lot of people don't understand. And I read I read that because I feel like it has, has good stories about navigating the texture of life, like the day-to-day. Um, it opens you up to your, your tactile experiences because it talks about things like, oh, Bob is so bothered because it's, Fred gave him this gourd that's too big to carry water in and Shuangzu walks by and he's like, well, why not make a boat out of it? And, <laughs> a really big gourd. and, and um, it just, it really brings you into your tactile experiences. It talks about like, if you're going to go to the next village, you should probably pack a sandwich. But if you're going to go, you know, around the globe, you should probably spend a year grinding grain to take with you. Um, and this is like really poor examples of like how the book is written. It's very, very humorous and like kind of wild, but as it intrigues the mind with its like humor and wildness, it's talking about this tactile world like can be navigated. And it, and it, and I'm really doing it poor justice because like this is a book that I've been reading since like my twenties, mm-hmm. and now that I learn a lot more about like what the minutia of our psychology is these simple stories are actually talking about it as well. It's like one of those books you could read on like, Oh, this is a good way to navigate your day, or this is a good way to run a government. Oh, this is a good way to take you towards the source of the current moment and away from your psychological, um, layered up stories. Mm -hmm. Um, and it does that as well. You read into it. And it's like, oh, it's actually talking about this essence and, you know, methods to go towards it. Um, and there's a super great line in it. And it talks about, like, it's kind of like making fun of people who are moral. And it has, like, this series of, like, five or eight um, 
<laughs> adjective of like, you know, basically saying like the, the gray man is in the, the ever whatever myriad object emptiness realm. And then like the lesser man is navigating the world with morals and the lesser man than that is navigating the world with intellect and it like kind of names all these like high like things that we'd really honor like wow that's like a very wise intellectual morally sound person it really just is denouncing as being like that's a peculiar cane to try to navigate from compared to being wide open and taking yeah. their full experience yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Do you remember anything that it said about government? Um, not a ton. Like, I mean, the Tao Te Ching is written solely to how to run a government as, as a method of communicating. Shuang Tzu is kind of like a little bit, not in reaction to the Tao Te Ching, is like written very similar time. But I think it was from a much more whimsical stance, very much more country type type stance. And nothing like really specifically comes to mind. I think there's like a yeah, nothing really specific comes to mind about like how to any kind of like government comments. Yeah, but that's a really interesting point I feel like about the Daddy Ching being about running a government like it it's like running your body like a government or yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, that's like another book that like you could take in in multiple ways, all the way to the point of taking it into like how to navigate towards enlightenment. Um, it's that's why it has profoundness. What do you mean enlightenment? Enlightenment is getting to the point where you don't have a individual perspective in your experience. What do you, you mean, like, you don't have an individual perspective as, like, where you would get upset or happy about different things that happen in your life? Um, no, I don't, I just, I, the way it's been described or defined through my readings is that there wouldn't be an individual that's going along with the happiness and the sadness. Mm -hmm. Could it still have desires? I think I think everything is fully happening except for one thing, and that's like the individual experiencing it. Uh huh. Wow, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. I think I think Chogyam Trumpa like first introduced the the humor of enlightenment is that you won't be there to experience it, and that's like a very literal thing. Like it's something that. So many individuals so strive for, but they will never experience this attainment because that will be the disappearing of them. You're going muffled again. Oh, that, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> you were disappearing. Yeah, it is, it, it, it's the, the humor of people who strive so hard for enlightenment should they succeed, they will, they will not experience it. You're still like super muffled. Sorry. How about this? Yes. I'm not sure what you did, but 
that that's better, but we can wrap up pretty soon. But what was I going to say? Okay. Reaching for enlightenment. Do you identify with reaching for enlightenment? Yeah, I think it's, it's like really intrigued. Like, I feel like I'm pulled that way. I feel like I don't get up each day, like, trying to do my push-ups towards it. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like I'm very much going into awareness of my experience. Not with any kind of goal of enlightenment. But I could see that, like, going towards that direction is, like, intriguing. I don't know. Maybe I'm playing, like, a shadowy dance with it. But, like, I definitely don't feel like I'm, yeah, just getting my reps in towards this goal. I feel like it's an intriguing idea, but mostly going more and more into my experience is what's is interesting to me. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I'm in a... I'm in a super like beautiful relationship. I really enjoy my own personal life and I really and for me going into my experiences and like finding more sustainable energies like really flowers my own life, my own my the relationship that I'm in. Um I would love to apply it to my home life, uh, I would love to apply it to my work life. Um if it yeah, like more spaced out not knowing what's going on in the juice of the moment, sustainability, like Mm -hmm. that would be awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I'm almost, yeah, I think I'm pursuing it in a qualitative way. I'm looking for the highest quality life possible. That made me want to like open a smoothie shop with you. I don't know why. (laughs) I was like, we should do that. But anyway, go ahead. That'd be wonderful. We should open a smoothie shop. But yeah, um, I think I'm, for quite a few years now, I've just been trying to take the highest quality route and it does continue to have me going down the path of like opening up my, what my psychology is and opening up to less and less personality, less and less individual identity. Um, Yeah. It seems to be heightening my quality. Yeah. My friend Taylor, who's, been on the podcast quite a few times says that for his one of his lines that he says a million times over and over again is that personality is a nervous system failure <laughs> like when you drop into your personality yeah it's definitely a nervous system practice i feel um yeah but yeah what was i i had one other thing that i was going to say do you have something that you want to say uh no i think this is feels like the the fun dance of topics i usually bring up does it feel that way <laughs> that, that you've covered your normal personality <laughs> yeah, so rounds? Like or, um give me one second because i did have something okay oh yeah I had one ending question, and that was, are there things that you want to do before you die, or just in your life ahead of you? Are there things that you want to experience, go to, places you want to go to, or things you want to do that you have in your mind? Yeah. Um, 
I would like to get better at riding my BMX bike. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, it really is. I think that 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 idea of wanting something comes with this tension of not having it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's different than asking me about things I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've spent time with Adrian recently that's like just absolutely incredible, but it's not in the realm of something that I like want again because it's not something I'm necessarily lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what really does come to mind is like I would like to be better at my riding my BMX bike because I'm not like I'm not very good uh-huh. to the level that I want to be. Um, and that is what comes to mind. Like, if I would like to, yeah, be become better at riding my BMX bike. But as far as like being like, you know, the the relationship I have with myself or with others, and like love and great joy, like that's not in the realm of like attainment. So I don't uh-huh. that that stuff really doesn't rise rise up. I think it's in this other realm where you have to like. You don't get to own that stuff, and it is what it is, and yeah, I yeah, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, I think it still has a essential perplexity to it that I get what you mean, and the because if you ask me like what what would I do tomorrow if it was my only day? Uh huh. I would, I would probably like go and like spend it with like with with Adrian and like ultimate calm. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, when you ask if there's something to attain before I die, I would say I want to ride my BM, be better at riding my BMX bike because that's something I haven't attained. I've already I've spent like really wonderful calm with Adrian, and it's beautiful. And I've also spent like many beautiful times with myself and with other people and like all that's kind of like Mm -hmm. been attained you're going to use that word Uh but like yeah riding a a bmx bike well has not been attained yet yeah (laughs) Uh, well you can do it (laughs) maybe it's very very difficult it requires practice yeah that's true we'll see but i was yeah i was just thinking about well, you live in the perfect place for it, and you work in the perfect place for it. But I was going to say that when asking myself that same question right now, it's like, I don't have a very tangible answer. I feel like it, it's it's like nothing at all, like literally nothing. But And then there's everything. That's literally how <laughs> I feel like in my mind. Like, what do you want to right. do before you die? Like, absolutely, there's nothing that I care to do. And then the other side of me is like, I, I will want to do everything before I die. Well, one, you said something to me once, and the way I took it in was, like, you understood, like, this enlightenment pursuit, but you felt it was important to spend some time establishing your individual identity. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you like find true that there's there's like a need to establish individualness for a period of time? I do. I, I'm not sure I can just justify it, but um, 
at least for me personally, like I'm not justified, but I don't feel like I have something to explain about it. But at least for me, I could just say that that did feel, does feel necessary. Huh. And it, but you don't trust that it would establish itself. Mm. Well, not. Let's see. No, I. Let's see. Do I trust that it would establish itself? I feel like it. I come at it from both ways. Like it feels the most right to be like. I'm establishing it and it's establishing itself, but rather than the pure idea of it, it will establish itself and I don't take a role in sort of forming what that, what that first individual is going to be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Who would establish it better? You or the thing that would establish it on its own? The thing that would establish it on its own would do it better, but I think the part that's trying to do it is, like, the thing that would do it worse would be my feeling of conditioned things from the outside trying to establish it. So I uh. feel this, like, need to establish it myself. <laughs> like, but... And that if I don't put that pressure from my side, then... I have become like more dilute and more of even though like I like you're saying that that's all like in the realm of not trusting what would be created that wasn't that wasn't me doing it but well which would be a more enjoyable process to experience Forcing things is never enjoyable, but you can force things in every which way is what I feel. Like you can try to force yourself to be nothing, just like you can try to force yourself to be something. But right. so I don't really know how to <laughs> talk about that whole idea of like forming a self. Because that seems I don't know, what would you say? It's almost like a relationship with force and it doesn't really matter what it's applied. Yeah. Like if you just take this big stick and you try to make a cake with it, it's actually just big stick time and if you yeah, it's like a relationship with force and it doesn't yeah, it doesn't matter where you're applying it. We should try to make a cake with a stick. <laughs> Next time <I> was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, force has that quality, I believe. Yeah. So when there's not force, what about will? I guess well, let's let's end here. Do you have anything to say about personal will? Yes, I believe 
the more that you associate with your true self mm-hmm. is when you can actually evoke some kind of will or some kind of choice. Yes. Yes. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I want to add that I appreciate that you asked because I think it's probably been a year ago you were talking about choice a lot. And I was like really like reticent to that. Like I was like, ah, who's choosing? What's, exactly. What would you choose? And like really <laughs> troubled by that. And it's, it's very much been in this past month or two, maybe even less than that, maybe this month, that I'm starting to recognize that there is a place of choice. And I'm not doing that philosophically of like, yes, choice can exist, debate over. But like I actually can see it experientially that I'm in a place and recognizing the self that does have some ability for choice and like, yeah, playing with that, you know, like daily, like this morning, even like, wait, no, like I'm lost up in just body feels and emotions. Like I can actually go and like navigate my room and pick things up even though I'm having these body fills and like, yeah, just like in a very basic way, establishing some choice because I just think I'm starting to recognize myself um, in, in this physical world. Mm-hmm. Great. Do you, do you know what you're having for dinner? It might be mashed potatoes. Straight up. <laughs> yeah. How about you? I don't know yet. But I was just thinking of like bread with coconut oil and date. But I don't have that, so. (laughs) I've had bread with coconut oil twice today, once with seed butter and honey and once with seed butter and applesauce. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. It's very good. I'll try to have something that doesn't feel too useless to eat. That's my only objective. Yeah, have have something very enjoyable. Yeah, that sounds like a goal. I'm going to go investigate that. Nice. Well, I might go use the restroom. Okay, that sounds useful. (laughs) That sounds very practical. Yeah, practical. (laughs) You, or you could just think about not having to use the restroom and what, what that would mean. But anyway. All right, we'll talk yeah. soon. Okay, thank you much. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Yep. Love to you. Love.